Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper, another 2022 NBA playoff recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, we have the beginning of the second round. Two games on the schedule today on this Sunday afternoon. The series that I was most anticipating, Celtics and Bucks, And then we had the Warriors and Grizzlies, which actually ended up being the more exciting game of the day. So let's get right into it. The Boston Celtics, who I predicted to win this series, playing against the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, no Chris Middleton. But the, the Celtics themselves, Jalen Brown did not look 100% in this game. I heard he had a kind of a hamstring injury right now or something. I don't know if it's a lingering thing or it's a new thing. If you're a Celtics fan, comment and let me know. But let's just talk about the way that the Celtics started the game. I actually thought they started it pretty well, but you could immediately tell from the get-go, within the first about five minutes of the game, that this Bucks team's defense was on a whole different level than, than Brooklyn. Whole different level. They're more physical. They're bigger. So when you talk about what's, what was crazy about today's game was the Celtics, who had bullied the Nets, who had shown, you know, KD made comments, I made comments about the size of the Celtics. And now you got the Celtics looking smaller today. You had Drew Holiday and Wesley Matthews. That's a big backcourt when you consider how big Drew Holiday is for a point guard, for him to be your smallest guy. And then you have Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis starting. So typically that would be Chris Middleton's spot, but today they went big to match the Celtics. And oh boy, did it work. Because Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez can both spread the floor. That's what makes it lethal on offense. And then on defense, you know, they do so well in the drop coverage. Because here's the thing. They go with the drop coverage with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. But what they have is Brooke Lopez and Giannis aren't afraid to step up on the guy coming off the screen. Because they know that their man is going to be taken care of. Because the rotate the rotators... On the, on the wings and corners are bigger guys. So it's not like the issue that the Nets were having where they had a small guy being that rotation if Andre Drummond was in drop coverage or Andre Drummond was going out there to blitz Jason Tatum or Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, whatever. The, the rotation guy would be Seth Curry or Kyrie Irving. In the Milwaukee's case, you got real grown men, you know, bigs, forwards rotating. So that made it immediately harder for Boston. And you could tell, like, the, the Celtics have had some tough defensive, uh, I'm sorry, tough offensive first halves in in the playoffs so far, like in the beginning with the Nets, especially first quarters. But you could just tell that it wasn't just, just that. It was the defense, the defensive difference. Drew Holiday got off to the good start for the Bucks in terms of scoring. He created the first eight points. The first one was an assist to a cutting Giannis. And then two threes. So that, so that was good to see Drew Holiday because his shooting is, is, is inconsistent at times. But his defense, you know what he's going to bring on that end and playmaking. But when his shot's falling, and today 
You know, he went eight for 20, but three of five from deep. I'd consider that a solid night. You know, he only shot 40%, but the stuff that Drew does, the amount of pressure he puts on your defense and how physical he is, just offensively. We don't even need to talk about the defense. It was obviously a great game from him. And he's, he's literally just been great ever since Middleton's gone down, really. But Giannis actually got off to kind of a slower start. You started out, or the Celtics started with Al Horford guarding him, and that was reminiscent of 2019 Game 1 when Al Horford did a tremendous job. But you knew that the Celtics weren't going to just guard him with one guy. A lot of times, even Al Horford, even though, especially in the third quarter, he held his own to an, a degree that you wouldn't even believe from his for his age and the stage of his career he's at versus a young lion like Giannis. But you got to give Al Horford credit, man. He is so strong. He's so unbelievably strong. But Giannis, despite Al Horford being doing a good job, he's constantly attracting two defenders. He's constantly going to put assault on your rim, on the paint, get two feet in the paint. And that's what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were not able to do. And part of that is because Giannis catches the ball closer to the basket. It's not just his strength. Of course, that's a thing. He rams into people like there's no tomorrow, like a freaking bowling ball. But where he catches the ball, how effective he is as the role man, and where he starts his move these days. You know, he's catching the ball at the elbows or catching the ball 12 feet away. One or two dribbles in, you're in the paint already. Especially when he can just give you a little bump. That creates a little separation right then and there. And so what Giannis does is he will draw your two defenders from Boston. He will, You know what I'm saying? And it's not the same as KD and Kyrie where they load it up because most of Giannis's moves aren't started behind the three-point line. And when they are, he's such a wrecking ball that you just definitely need to throw two guys at him. So the kind of rotations that Giannis makes your defense make are totally different than what the Nets have because what the Nets had, the Celtics were able to load up. They want to load up off Bruce Brown or in the last two games we saw Blake Griffin. Or just Seth Curry. They just want to make sure KD and Kyrie don't get to their spots. For Giannis, his spot is the paint. And you can stop Giannis from getting in the paint. But he that to sink all the way in the paint and then run out to the three-point line is much harder than when you're just a step away from your man trying to get ready for KD or Kyrie to drive and then retreat. It's totally different. It's what I always say about getting deep post position and why you saw KD have more success in game four. But he didn't go to it quickly enough or quick enough. Whereas Giannis... You know what he's going to give you. You know he's going to... He wasn't necessarily super deep on the catch today, but he got the ball not too far, kind of like last year's playoffs. And one or two dribbles, boom, he's right there, two feet in the paint. You got to react to him. You got to send the... You got to send everybody. And he was making some incredible passes. Giannis's passing has just gotten better each year. I also think he's better at that aspect than KD from what I'm seeing. He had some passes in the air today that were just ridiculous. LeBron-esque, really. Just... Behind the basket, he had this one where he was literally underneath the basket and he just in the air scooped it out to behind the three-point line straight away. That was ridiculous. And there was another one where he literally lost the ball. This was in the second half. He literally lost the ball and then found a way to throw it behind his back and it bounced almost perfectly to a shooter. I think it was Wes Matthews, but he's just impressive. And the Celtics, you know, they're going to switch one to five. You already know that. We saw a good amount of Grant Williams on Giannis as well. Time Lord here and there, who started, by the way, today. And had some nice putbacks in the first half. But for the most part, I thought Time Lord was a little quieter than normal. 22 minutes for him, 6 points, 8 rebounds, 3 of 6 shooting. 
And by the way, so the best, the most success the Celtics had in the game was they were up 18 to 12. Marcus Smart, I thought, was doing a really good job running the offense, finding guys in pick and roll, attacking and kicking. But the Bucks closed the quarter on a little bit of a run. And a large reason that was was Brooke Lopez. I thought he just was awesome all game. It's crazy to think about. I underestimated, and I think everybody underestimated how big of a loss Brooke Lopez really was for the whole season. Because not only is he an underrated defender, solid in that drop coverage, good length, good size, and obviously can shoot the ball. But man, he was doing a hell of a job protecting that rim today. And when he's got Giannis next to him, Bobby Portis next to him, even more size, and Giannis is such a great help defender, one of the best help defenders in the league, maybe the best, you've got a little bit of extra assurance. You know what I'm saying? If somebody gets a step on you and... The Bucs just turned their defensive antennas up and started creating turnovers towards the end of the quarter. Even though the Bucs had more turnovers than the Celtics in the first, it was only 29-28 after one. Or sorry, 27-24 Bucks after one. And the second quarter is really where they started to separate themselves. They outscored the the Celtics 29-22 in the quarter. And you saw an eight-man rotation really from both teams. You know, Daniel Tice only played four minutes today. Four minutes. So that'll be interesting to see if, considering the Celtics lost, will he may go to Daniel Tice a little bit more? Does he feel like he has a place in this series? But Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and Derek White were the three substitutes for the Celtics that really got minutes. Grant Williams being the only one that played over 16 minutes. And then for the, for the Bucks. The three they had three bench players play twenty plus minutes. Javon Carter, Pat Connaughton, and Grayson Allen. And the fact that they all shot fifty percent, Javon Carter two for four, Pat Connaughton three for six, Grayson Allen four for eight, huge. They were making all their open shots, basically all of them, because Giannis was creating. Drew Holiday was creating, but especially Giannis. Just some amazing passes. Pat Connaughton made some deep ones. And you know one thing that was really was really working for the Celt- for the Bucks, the Celtics offense, particularly Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, were just not hitting. Jalen Brown looked like a pedestrian all game. This was just unacceptable from him. If the Celtics want to win this series, not aggressive, playing like a role player, looking—I don't want to say disinterested off the ball, but almost like he's not engaged fully, not playing with that swagger that we've seen Jalen Brown play with, you know, over the last two years. And I don't know if that's an injury thing because he had an amazing putback dunk in the first quarter, which made you think, oh, that hamstring looks fine. But he just didn't look very confident in himself. He wasn't able to really get to the rim. Just wasn't really that involved. And what I what you really saw from the Milwaukee Bucks was the getting stops and they would push the pace and get a lot of open threes in transition. Bobby Portis, yeah, obviously Giannis getting downhill in transition. He's one of the best transition players of all time, in my opinion. Just such a wrecking ball, you know what I'm saying? You've got to throw two guys at him constantly. That's really what it is. You constantly got to throw two guys at him, and where you got to throw two guys at him is what makes it hard to rotate, what makes it different than that of the Nets and loading up from the top, which I always talk about. That's why I always encourage people to go in the post. And Giannis went in the post a little bit today, but not even – it's it was less post, more just facing up, rip through, and boom, shoulder, or just going right into your chest, right through you. But we saw a little bit of post too. And one one beautiful shot, turnaround over his right shoulder in the second half, one-legged fade on, from the foul line against Grant Williams on some, like, Derek stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd say, and here's the thing, the Celtics, I'm making it seem like Giannis just had an amazing game. He had a very good game. But the Celtics did a good job on him in terms of it, holding him to an inefficient night. Three for 25, I'm sorry, nine for 25 from the field for him. And he only shot two threes, which was good. 
missed them both. Six for 11 from the line. So, you know, in terms of efficiency, it could be a lot better from Giannis. But you've got to love the way he attacked. The way he attacked, it was just, it was, it was basically make someone else beat us if you're the Celtics, and they got beat by the other guys for sure. Smart's defense, by the way. I thought Al Horford and Marcus Smart's defense, though, was spectacular. I don't think I would put anything on them. Jason Bra- Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I mean, Jason Tatum was just kind of struggling to get clean looks. They were zeroing in on him. And the thing about the Celtics was they were getting a ton of open threes. A ton. But what do, we, what do we go back to saying? What was the concern with the Celtics early on in the season? And I kind of vaguely mentioned in the preview. Live by the three. Die by the three. And that's exactly what happened with Boston. We saw this be their undoing in 2018 in Game 7 against LeBron's Cavs. We saw this be their undoing in 2020 against the Miami Heat in the bubble. And you saw them have no plan B. And again, I've talked about this with Memphis, talked about it with Minnesota. What are some of these teams' plan Bs if their threes aren't falling and they're not getting right to the rim? Where's your in-between game? Are you just going to keep running a high pick and roll? That's like Sometimes you got to run ISO. So, I mean, some kind of creative sets. But I thought the Celtics were actually going to make a run of it in the second half when Tatum started out with two threes, cut it down to six. Horford was battling. Marcus Smart was battling. But the Bucks were able to continue to get stops through Lopez, through Giannis. By the way, Drew Holiday and Wes Matthews fighting over every single screen on Tatum and Jalen, especially in Marcus Smart. It That's what makes it so special because... They don't put their their bigs, the guy playing the drop coverage, in a bad spot where they got to really play two people at once. They know that they just got to step up a second and give Drew Holiday and Wes that that second to get over the screen, and they'll get back around. And then they know that their their uh, blind spot is covered with the corner guys because Bobby Portis and Giannis, especially when Giannis is that guy, when when Lopez is put in drop coverage, you got Drew Holiday getting over the screen, and then Giannis and Wes Matthews on either side. That's you're taking you're taking your chances with the Bucks there for them to make those rotations and and affect the play. But as I said, Bucks started kept getting stops and got in transition. Bobby Portis, I just love that guy's offensive array, his arsenal, his bag. He's got an old school bag. There was one beautiful shot he had tonight. It was literally, I kid you not, Jordan esque. He caught the ball and just turned right away before he even dribbled. He knew exactly what he was going to do before he even dribbled before he even caught the ball. And it was from like 18 feet too. Turn around over the right shoulder. He's got the outside. He's got the inside. I really think if Bobby Portis got more looks, like actually like got more looks and plays drawn for him, he could average like so many points. I really think so. Maybe it's because I just feel like I don't see him play badly. But I love the way he scores. I also thought that Jason Tatum was getting too concerned with the refs. Because the Celtics, you know, this was a tough, tough officiated game. Scott Foster was trending after this game. And during the game, really, because the Celtics, they weren't getting that great of a whistle. But at the same time, it's like, you got to play through it. Jason Tatum's got to be played through it. And Jalen Brown had less than 10 points after three quarters. So, again, that's just never going to do it. And then, mind you, the Celtics are turning the ball over a lot. The The Bucks had 13 turnovers. Celtics, 18 turnovers. And only three of them came from bench players. So that means 15 of their 18 turnovers came from starters. Seven of them from Jalen Brown alone. This was one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen him play. At least, you know, he didn't obviously miss the playoffs last year. But 2020, I don't I don't remember him having a playoff game this bad. 12 points for him, 9 rebounds and 4 assists, and 2 steals. Mind you, he hit 2 threes in the 4th quarter, but it was kind of too little, too late threes. So he really was like 2 for 11 
at one point. And it was I remember seeing that and they were talking about it. The Celtics, they just couldn't really string together a run. They got so many open threes. You know, Peyton Pritchard, this was kind of when I knew the game was done. Early fourth quarter, Peyton Pritchard missed three open threes off little hedge and recover that the guards were doing. When Tatum was getting the screen really high, like 30 feet away, the Bucks were just hedging and recovering. But obviously when he got the screen inside the three-point line, drop coverage. But Bucks were just hitting in transition. They made, I remember Portis got a pass from Giannis on the Pritchard missed three, put him up 87-72, or I'm sorry, 97-82, I believe. No, it was 87-72. And that was it. Giannis was just so relentless all game. So physical to the point where the Celtics started limping. Like Marcus Smart, uh, his shoulder, I think, popped out. And then Rob Williams got a hit in the leg. They were just beaten up. And it's crazy that the Celtics, who were doing all the beating up in the last series, are getting beaten up this time. Just an incredible performance by the Bucks. They really showed me, like, yo, D, you better chill. You better realize we're the champs. And... Yeah, what an impressive performance by the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's read the lines. Jason Tatum, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and 3 turnovers on 6 for 18 shooting. 4 of 9 from deep. So he shot well from 3 but did not shoot well from the field. Was getting It seemed like he got fouled a lot going to the basket but did not get any calls. And then Jalen Brown, I already said. Marcus Smart, 3 for 11 from the field. 1 for 6 from deep. Only 10 points. 6 assists he had. So he had a tough night shooting the ball, but I thought he was good because of his defense. Al Horford was, I think, the best player on the Celtics today. 12 points, 10 rebounds. Did a great job on Giannis. 4 for 11 from the field and 4 of 9 from deep. But the Celtics, they shot only 33% as a team. 28 out of 84. And this is the stat that kills me. By the way, Prayton Pritchard, 2 for 8. All of them threes, six points. This is the stat that kills me though right here, guys. 18 for 50 from deep. Like 50 threes. And that's my thing. Like what's their alternative if they're not hitting threes, the Celtics? They need to be able to go to the mid-range with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if the pick and roll, they're going to take it away and drop coverage and sit over those, get over those screens well and stuff, you got to go straight ISO. You're going to have to go with some straight ISOs. Because, or some creative sets that me here as not a coach, is, are not, I'm not going to be able to tell you what, what those are. So that, that's up for email to draw some sets. But the Bucks are going to be physical, straight up. They're going to be very physical. Let's, oh, let's read the Bucks stat lines. Giannis, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, 2 blocks, 9 for 25 shooting. 6 of 11 from the Lions. Not very efficient, but he dominated. Six, rebound, 6 points, 10 rebounds for Brooke Lopez. 3 for 7 from the field. Only shot 2 threes and missed them both. Bobby Portis, 15 and 11. 6 for 12 shooting. 2 for 7 from deep. Drew Holiday, 25 points. 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. 8 for 20 shooting. Um, Wes Matthews, 5 points. On 2 of 7 shooting, 1 of 6 from deep. And then Grayson Allen, 11 points, 4 of 8 shooting, 3 of 6 from deep. Pat Connaughton, 8 points, 3 of 6 shooting, 2 of 4 from deep. And Javon Carter, 7 points, 2 for 4 from the field, 1 for 2 from deep. But let me hold on one second, guys, and let, let us switch over to the Memphis Grizzlies and the... 
Golden State Warriors. All right. Warriors Grizz. The Grizzlies came out with a lot of energy. A lot of energy. And they looked like the more lively, young team. You could really tell the youth for the Memphis Grizzlies was affecting the game. And anyways, the youth was their youth. You saw in the Minnesota series where they actually had youth to combat. The the Timberwolves matchup was good because they had the youth and athleticism to combat the Grizzlies, whereas the Warriors looked a little sluggish and slow today. They looked like it was just like they weren't prepared in the beginning of the game. And they the Grizzlies hit them with a a run in the beginning. 32-24 in favor of them in the first quarter. I was pretty surprised. And when I saw John Morant make two threes to start the game, that's when you knew that this may be a good day for Memphis. They looked faster. They looked younger. They were fast-breaking. And the Warriors just started missing threes. And by the way, we saw an adjustment for Steve Kerr today, and that was Draymond Green playing the five. Uh, Kavon Looney, uh, what's it called? Kavon Looney coming off the bench. Gary Payton Jr. started. And the Grizz, you know, they tried to go small, but... And Jordan Poole came off the bench. So that was an interesting substitution by Steve Kerr. Got a lot of open looks in the beginning of the game. Started missing from deep. And the Grizzlies' athleticism, you could see it bothering them. Dylan Brooks, you know, the Grizzlies' defense is better than Minnesota. You're going to see Dylan Brooks getting over screens and fighting. And, you know, John Morant is the weak link on defense for the Grizzlies. Jaron Jackson Jr., though, Brandon Clark also, I'm sorry, Xavier Tillman started today. But obviously, you know, Brandon Clark's getting starter minutes at 31 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr. also 31 minutes. And you just know the length of Memphis. They're going to be tougher. Their help defense is going to be sharper. Even though Minnesota's defense wasn't... I'm sorry. I keep thinking... I got confused for a sec. The Warriors played against the the Nuggets. Yeah, their help defense is not the same. Their size, their quickness, their speed isn't the same. And I thought John Morant had his best half of the playoffs, maybe. He was attacking the rim. He was hitting the three ball in the beginning. He was... Honestly, this was a poorly officiated game, I must say. I thought in the first quarter, the Warriors got a terrible whistle. I thought in the second quarter, the Grizzlies got a bad whistle. And BC started playing really well again, active on the offensive boards. The Warriors were getting cooked on the glass in the first half. It was actually a tale of two halves in that department. He had, Brandon Clark had three offensive rebounds, but he was just active as a roller, and he just causes havoc out there. But it was the John Morant show. John Morant shot 31 shots tonight, which is a lot for a point guard. But it wasn't necessarily inefficient. He made 14 of them, 14 for 31. So he wasn't bad. And he just was really aggressive. And the war- he knew the Warriors had no rim protection. He went there. Now, Draymond Green, he... How do I put it? He's so important for this Warriors team. He does so many good things on the court. He has some amazing reads and great passes in the half court set but sometimes because he's such a non-threat to score he has to the passes become tougher than they need to be because they're not worrying about his jump shot at all they're not worrying about his drive at all so he was throwing some reckless passes he had five turnovers and he only played one half and guess what about Draymond Green guys if you watch the game very controversial ejection very controversial and you know he Pulled, Brandon Clark was airborne. He kind of pulled his jersey down, but I think he was trying to s- help him from falling hard. However, Draymond Green does have a history, so you knew the refs were going to do some shit, and they ejected him, which I thought was pretty ridiculous just because I don't like seeing ejections in the 
in the uh, in the playoffs like that. I just thought it wasn't excessive, but to each his own, right? The, the NBA is different now than it used to be. And you saw, exp- oh, oh my God, so many players went to Twitter and talked about it. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, big game James Worthy, just JaVale McGee. A lot of people went to Twitter to complain about that. But I thought that the momentum would completely shift to the Grizzlies. They were up by six at halftime. John Morant was cooking. But the third quarter, you saw a different approach from the Warriors. They were able to start Jordan Poole. They went small. You got to see a lot more Kevon Looney, good amount of Otto Porter, who played 23 minutes. And they spread him out and constantly put Ja on the pick and roll. So when they were putting Ja on that pick and roll, Ja was just hedging, recovering. But you got to be very careful because if you leave him, if you hedge too fast and get retreat, Ja Morant going to be turning that corner. I'm sorry, Steph Curry or Jordan Poole going to turn that corner, have a lane to the basket. Or on the pick and pop, finding Jordan Poole and Steph Curry when they're screeners. And they were, you were seeing a lot of that tonight or today. And they were starting to get going in that third quarter, especially Jordan Poole, who was getting to the rim, making his threes, just looking like the Jordan Poole we saw in games one through three against Denver. And Seth, Steph Curry started heating up. Klay Thompson, he had a tough shooting night all game. Steph Curry, though, started looking a little bit better in that second half. Step back threes, got a switch on Jaron Jackson one time, got into a step back. And speaking of Jaron Jackson, the Warriors started switching, switching everything on on the Grizz, and that sometimes allowed guys like Kevon Looney to guard Jaw. And Jaw would obviously get the step. You know Jaw's going to constantly try to get into the paint. And obviously when the Warriors bring help, he was making the right play. Jaron Jackson Jr. had eight consecutive points. One of them, he had Andrew Wiggins on him, and twice, I think, in the game, he went to the post against Wiggins and had a nice little running lefty jump hook, or I'm sorry, running lefty hook. And again, remember when I talked about Jaron Jackson Jr., having jump hooks with both hands in his rookie year and never going to it. Well, he was going to it a little more today, and that's great. He needs to continue to go to it. He needs to dominate on the inside and outside, and that'll let him take the next step in his career. But despite the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. was hitting everything from three, having he had his best playoff game of his, of his career, in my opinion, so far. Desmond Bain had a tough shooting night tonight, and he's been arguably the best player for Memphis in the playoffs. Three for ten and one a fight from deep. I'm guessing Steve Kerr, you know, and, and the staff had a plan to try to not let him get going. But the bigger liability for the Grizzlies on offense, Dylan Brooks. I mean, this guy sometimes has Kobe-level confidence, and he's like a role player. Like, he has, he's like a Will Barton-level player with Kobe confidence. This guy just not doesn't know what a good... I, I saw one of my old trainers today tweeting, uh, man's 2 for 10 taking a heat check. And it's like, dude, he really was. Reckless shot selection, and it was letting the Warriors stay in the game a little bit, but... Thankfully for the Grizzlies, the Warriors weren't hitting their threes either. They continued to keep putting John pick and roll. Poole was hitting some tough shots. He hit this one three from way downtown in the fourth that, you know, nearly he got a four-point play. But I thought the real difference in the game in the fourth quarter for the for the Warriors, and by the way, they outscored the Grizzlies 36-29 in the third. The main difference to me was the offensive glass. A ton of long misses from their threes. And a lot of long rebounds, a lot of it just luck, but also just being in the right place at the right time and just hustling, turning that gas up a little bit. And the, the Grizzlies getting a taste of their own medicine. The Grizzlies had 16 offensive rebounds, but the Warriors had 16 offensive rebounds. And the Warriors out-rebounded the Grizzlies 51-47. So if you were to tell me that the, the Warriors were going to win the glass battle, then you knew that the game was not going to be in the, in the Grizzlies' favor. And it was so neck-and-neck neck the whole fourth quarter. It was super exciting. Again, poorly officiated game. At, at times in the game, it was like they weren't going to call anything, and then they started calling ticky-tack shit. But 
Jaw started taking over, though, in the fourth, like we've seen him do a couple times in this playoffs. Game five against the Wolves, and then at times in the fourth quarter, game three in that comeback against the Wolves. But he was getting to the rim at will. He started realizing, like, the thing about the Warriors was they were, just like the Celtics against Giannis today, they were sagging off, just begging him to shoot. And sometimes Jaw was taking the bait. He was 4 for 11 from deep tonight, so it was pretty good. But I remember him missing his last two, and I, and they were given to him. So the, the Warriors are going to live with that all series. They're going to play the odds. And every time he shoots that, it's a bailout because Jaw is amazing at putting constant pressure on you as the defender, going right into your chest, going right at the big man in the restricted area. He will get into the paint at will. And he's so fast, quick step, whatever. But trading buckets, trading buckets late in the game. But you know someone else. I talked about Looney on the offensive glass. He had two offensive rebounds, but Brandon Clark, I'm sorry, Gary Payton Jr., I thought he was amazing. Just made a bunch of nice defensive plays, hustle plays, was getting on the floor, working so hard. Some 50-50 balls the Warriors got in the fourth were just huge. They got second, third opportunities at shots, and that was a big difference in the game. Ja, he got an and one that made it 112-110 with like three minutes left, and I was thinking that the Grizzlies were going to take it home. I thought Ja was just bound to close it out, but... A hustle play by GP2 on an offensive rebound got Andrew Wiggins an open dunk. And I thought Andrew Wiggins was, again, very solid tonight, doing what he always does, just not hitting his threes. And then John and GP, I'm sorry, Ja went back and scored again. GP scored off a Steph pass. And that's the thing. When you Steph Curry, Jordan Poole getting so much attention, they're going to find open man. There's always someone open when they're coming off screens, and they were making the right plays tonight. And then Ja... I'm sorry, Brandon Clark, go-ahead bucket to make it 116-114. That would, however, be the last bucket that the Memphis Grizzlies scored because Klay Thompson, who was off and having a struggle on defense a little bit, hit the go-ahead three after missing a three on that same possession. And that's one thing you got to love about Klay. He'll never, you know, he misses one. He doesn't get discouraged. He'll continue to make it. And then maybe the most iconic defensive play of Steph Curry's career John Morant trying to take him to the basket, tries to push off, and Steph gets his hand on the ball and gets the block as the Warriors get the ball back. And the craziest part, Klay Thompson missing both free throws. As they say in these days, he was selling. And John came back the other way, missed the lefty layup, good defense by the dubs. And the Warriors, after not having Draymond Green for the whole half, John Morant having maybe his best playoff game thus far this season, Jaron Jackson Jr. having the best playoff game of his career and Klay Thompson shooting 6 for 19 and 3 of 10 from deep still win in Memphis. What a big win for Golden State. Now it's really danger time for the Memphis Grizzlies because if they go down 0-2, this could be a sweep. Let's read the stat lines. Draymond Green, 6 points, 4 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 5 turnovers in his 17 minutes for the ejection, 2 for 3 from the field. Andrew Wiggins, 17 points, 8 boards, 6 of 14 shooting, 1 of 5 from deep. Four for seven from the line. That's still an issue. He's got to get better at free throws. Um, but he still had a solid game. You know what he does on defense. Gary Payton Jr., eight points, six boards, three assists, a steal, and a block. Four for five shooting. Klay Thompson, 15 points, six for 19, three for 10 from deep. Steph Curry, 24 points, three boards, four assists, eight for 20 shooting, five for 12 from deep. So fire percentage there. And then we saw a little bit of Damian Lee today for three minutes. But Kavon Looney... Eight points, six boards, two offensive rebounds, four or five shooting. And Jordan Poole, my player of the game for Golden State, 31 points, eight rebounds, nine assists on 12 for 20 shooting and five for 10 
from deep. Plus 10 from uh, plus minus as well. For the Grizz, DeAnthony Melton. We saw him get benched against the Wolves, but he's starting to get, he got back in the rotation today. New matchup, new situation. He had a good game. 14 points in 25 minutes. Plus 14, plus 14, plus minus. 5 of 8 shooting, 3 of 6 from deep. And then... Brandon, by the way, Kyle Anderson had a tough one, 0 for 3, and it was just struggling. Brandon Clark, 12 points, 9 boards, 4 for 6 shooting, 3 offensive rebounds. Desmond Bain, as I said, 3 for 10, 1 of 5 from deep, only 9 points. Dylan Brooks, he needs to have a better game, and he will, but he has these kind of shooting nights. 8 points, 3 for 13 shooting, 2 of 8 from deep. Jaron Jackson Jr., 33 and 10, a block, 10 of 18 shooting, and 6 of 9 from deep. So he had a hell of a game. And he didn't get the ball late. That was a huge issue, too, for Memphis. He was hot, and they didn't give him the ball late. And then John Morant, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 turnovers, 14 for 31 shooting, and 4 from eleven, four for 11 from deep. So, Jaw was really good. I don't think you can blame him at all. He got blocked by Curry, but it happens. Curry's the best point guard in the league. 41 for 95 for the, from the field for Memphis. They shot 43%. 40% from deep, though. 16 to 40, which is, again, a lot of threes, but they shot a good percentage. But yeah, that's about it. The Grizzlies with a big loss. The Celtics with a big loss. So game two is going to be must-win games. I have more confidence in the Celtics winning than Memphis because the Warriors, I feel like they can play a lot better than this. Desmond Bain will have a better game, though, in game two, but will John Jaron Jackson Jr. play like that? Will Jaron Jackson Jr. make six threes? You know, Dylan Brooks, if Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain shoot well, though, That'll be big time. Tyus Jones also didn't have much of an impact in this one. Only 12 minutes played and was 1 of 4. And by the way, you saw more Jonathan Kuminga, as I said you'd see in this series. 6 points in 15 minutes to go along with 6 rebounds. But yeah, big game. Big hustle plays by the Warriors. They got it done. Steph Curry, big defensive play. And Steph continues to lead by example. Makes everybody better. But that's it for me tonight, guys. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. About to go uh, live subscribers waiting so patiently in the chat. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you leave a comment for the algorithm and leave a review if you'd like on Apple, Apple's podcast or Spotify. Thanks and have a good night. We'll be back tomorrow for game one, Dallas versus Phoenix and Miami versus Philadelphia.